This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 243 of Youpreneur FM, the place to be if you are wanting proven tactics, tips, techniques, and strategies to take your business to the next level, regardless of who you're serving and how you are doing it. We're going to get you there. You will become the go-to source in your market tuning into the show every week. I guarantee it. Well, today we've got a great interview. Uh, Good friend, Mark Sanborn, who actually I first discovered about five years or so ago when I picked up a copy of one of his books and I didn't know who he was or what he did. I just liked the sound of the book. He's on the show to talk about his new book called The Potential Principle. And uh, it's something that I know you're going to love. However, before we get cracking, just a quick reminder that Youpreneur FM is brought to you by the Youpreneur Mastermind community, the premier online community for entrepreneurs wanting to build a profitable, sustainable business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. Community members get exclusive access to our acceleration training library, which includes everything you'll need to know to build, market, and monetize a successful business. And couple that together with our monthly mastermind calls, discounted tickets to our live events, and access to our enthusiastic, supportive member-only forums. And you've got everything you need to succeed. If you're serious about building the business of you, as I call it, and in the most rewarding profitable way possible, then you must join us. So be sure to head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today for more info. Okay, so on to my chat with Mark, a real professional, been around for a long time in the uh, speaker arena, in the authoring arena, lots and lots of accolades to his name. He's worked with well over two and a half thousand consultant clients. He's been on keynote stages all around the world. And actually, he's not only a brilliant business speaker, but also an incredibly, incredibly funny and engaging one as well. Ever been to a conference where the speaker is really boring? Well, that's not Mark. I can guarantee it. Today, he comes on the show to talk about the potential principle, a proven system for closing the gap between how good you are and how good you are could be. It's a really interesting conversation where we break down the four major sections of his book's quadrant to actually show you exactly how to do more than just hit your goals. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here it is. So Mark, welcome to Youpreneur FM. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. No, it's all our pleasure. It really is. Now, I first came across you. I first discovered the legend that is Sir, <laughs> Sir Mark Sanborn, um, I discovered you actually through your book, The Encore Effect, probably five or six years ago, which was, and correct me if I'm wrong here, memory, all that sort of stuff, had a few birthdays since then. It was fundamentally about making sort of every performance in your life, regardless of what it is, just incredible and amazing. Am I sort of along the same path here? That's a good summary. The one, the one distinction I would make is to make all the important performances in your okay. life, uh, it, you know, the kind that would make 
your spouse want more, your employer want more, yes. your customer want more of you. You know, I want, one of the things that I think entrepreneurs and business people sometimes forget is not everything worth doing is worth doing well. You know, some things are just mm -hmm. worth doing and getting done. And if you try to do everything equally well, it's called perfectionism. And I think encore performers are people that know which performances really matter, and that's where they focus their attention. I love it. Perfect. Okay, so I'm solidly corrected, um, or at least tweaked, uh, which is just as good anyway. So look, today, however, um, you're on to talk about ultimately potential and, and the potential that we all have uh are we living up to our true potential what can we do to ultimately sort of close the gap i believe um i, I heard you saying in a video uh in prep for the show sort of close the gap between how good you are and how good you possibly could be so i'm really excited to get into this i'm genuinely excited about it because i think so many people aren't pushing themselves i think so many people aren't performing at their best potential and so uh, what can we do Let, let's let's hear from now the legend himself mark sanborn what can we do here buddy what what, what well, is you know where should where should we be sort of focusing they, uh, you know you're kind my wife would say i'm a legend in my own mind uh, <laughs> yes we all are <laughs> Uh, I was, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for any acknowledgement. You know, the potential principle is based on a very easy to un understand concept. And that is we all know how good we've become, but none of us know how good we could be. Right. I've, you and I've worked with a lot of highly, highly successful people, and I've never met anyone that could prove to me, quantify for me, that they are achieving their peak potential. You know, Isaac uh, uh, or, uh, Asimov, uh, who wrote uh, science fiction, wrote somewhere in the neighborhood of 560 books before he died, which is mind-boggling. And yet, do we know that that was his true potential? We can't say that it was. So really, potential is something that we're always striving for, and we're trying to narrow that gap between how good we currently are and how good we could be. And, and that goes back to being better tomorrow than you were today and better today than you were yesterday. The book really evolved out of my work with uh, business audiences and high achievers because I realized as most of us have, the, the older we get, that the better you become, the harder it is to get better. You know, when you're 20 years old and about to take your first job, the world is your oyster. There's nowhere to go but up, right? Mm. When you're 40 years old or 50 years old and you're a C-level executive and you've made a pile of money and you've accomplished a great number of things, how do you keep getting better? You know, those gains are not uh, leap gains. They're incremental gains. They're harder fought. They're more nuanced. And so I wanted to write a book that took what I've been doing and studying for the last 31 years and come up with a process, kind of like I did with the Encore Effect, only this process is about how to keep getting better regardless of how good you've become. So what, why do you think so many – I mean you sort of, you, you sort of mentioned – top performers, high-level executives, that sort of type of thing there. Oh, and by the way, I must say, for you guys listening in, and we'll link to this on the show notes page, Mark has a brilliant video on his website uh, that's titled something along the lines of Can Business Speakers Be Funny? You must watch this video. If you are a speaker yourself, you will, you will know exactly how it feels 
to prepare these kind of stories and get the laughs that you want and and go after at the right time. Honestly, Mark, I thoroughly enjoyed that video. I thought it was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. It really was. So I wanted to bring that up real quick. But 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 you mentioned those types of people there. Um, why do you think so many sort of quote unquote top performers stop at just sort of achieving their goals, so to speak? Like you know, they set a goal for the year. They achieve it, and then they kind of say, oh, I can take it easy now. Like you talk about in the book, you talk about pushing through that and going beyond simply achieving those goals. Why do you think so many people struggle with that, though? I think a lot of people don't realize that goals can not only uh, uh, incentivize our performance, they can limit it. And I call it the security of the achieved goal. First of all, we know that if we set a goal too high, uh, we probably won't achieve it. I think one of the great secrets is an aside of of top performers is that they are willing to be disappointed more often than others, because if you really aspire highly, you're not going to be achieving as much of what you aspire to as those people who have low expectations. If you start the day intending to be average, you'll end the day being average, you will not be disappointed. You start the day intending to be extraordinary and you'll only end up doing a great job Uh, You're going to be a little disappointed, but you're still going to have performed higher than that person who didn't aspire, if you will. Right. So I think the problem is we set a goal and we let the accomplishment of the goal be the reward rather than the question of how much better we could be, the pursuit being the reward. And I always tell people it's very possible to achieve all your goals and still be leaving a lot on the table. You could still be far underperforming your potential and still achieving your goals. Uh, so that's probably one of the trickiest things, you know, is how do we how do we set big goals for ourselves so that we don't become silly? You know, we don't set such unrealistic goals that yeah. people laugh at us. Yeah. But yeah. how do we balance that against setting goals that are so probable that they don't stretch us? So let me ask you this then. So when you're as an entrepreneur and a business owner yourself, When you're setting your goals for the next quarter, the next year, the next three years, maybe the next book launch, next keynote performance, whatever it is, when you set your goals, how do you sort of stay super focused on those goals and make sure that you personally achieve them? I'm just curious. I've always been far more performance oriented than goal oriented. My assumption is that if you bring your best performance to any situation that really matters, that your goals will become almost uh, incidental, that you will achieve things perhaps that you didn't even think were possible when you were trying to set your goals. So I'm probably a bit of an anomaly in that most of my goals have have evolved and morphed rather than become, you know, clearly defined at the beginning. The one big goal I had at the age of 16 was to someday be a full-time professional speaker. And I, I did that uh, at the age of 27. I went full-time into the business. But since then, I've just always wanted to be so doggone good at whatever I did, whether it was speaking or writing books, that people wanted to hire me to speak or to read my books. Now, I haven't always been as successful as I aspired to be. But, you know, over time, the question is, is, is your performance, in a, uh, is it ratcheting up? If you were to graph it like a sales chart, we know sales charts aren't usually linear, that's that's a fantasy. They usually go bump up and then down a little and up and down. But sure. the goal is you want it to be trending upwards over time. And that's really how I look at my business. When I when I look at uh, the, the book, The Potential Principle, I developed a matrix and I, I use it. You know, this isn't just something I 
wrote about so that, you know, somebody would, you know, buy the book. It's, it's a process that I use where basically I look at my inner and outer world and I look at the things I initiate and the things I respond to. And I realize that there are four quadrants in this potential matrix. And the, uh, and the upper right-hand corner, where we all spend most of our time, is performing. And that's what I was just talking about. I think we should always be escalating our performance. It should always be a little bit better each day. Hmm. The problem is, is a lot of business people and entrepreneurs only operate out of that quadrant. And if you go, and this is in the outer world, if you go to the lower right-hand corner, you have what I call learning. For instance, when we perform, we initiate. But when we learn, we're responding to material and to information and to teachers and to classes. And yes, I know there's obviously an active component to learning. But really, we're seeking ideas we can use to improve our performance. So if we just stop there, Chris, you realize that if you aren't always learning, there's no way you can continue to escalate your performance. Right. You know, escalating performance doesn't happen in a vacuum. Now, if you go to the other side of the uh, the vertical axis in the inner world, in the upper left-hand corner, uh, you initiate in your inner world a process we call thinking. And the idea there is to, you know, seek out um, goals and plans and ideas and strategies that we can use in our performance or in our learning. And a lot of people are victims of poor thinking. You know, uh, one of my favorite examples, I, I believe I write about it in the book. Sometimes you think about writing about something and later you read the book and go, wow, I didn't put that in there. <laughs> right. uh, but but, but the, the, the fallacy of sunk costs. You know, here in Colorado where I live, we have about 300 craft brewers, a lot of a lot of good craft beers made in Colorado. Obviously, with 300, not all those brewers are equally successful. As a matter of fact, a good number of them haven't been profitable yet. So you have an investor who uh, says, boy, I like this this guy and his beer recipes. I'm going to give him $100,000. And the guy that you give the money to says, you know, at the end of the year, we should be profitable and I should be able to pay you back 20% going forward on your money. Well, at the end of the first year, the 100000 is gone. And the guy says, you know, if you don't give me another $100,000, uh, we are going to have to shut down the, the brewing operation. Well, if you haven't made money in the first year and you missed your projections completely, the odds of making money going forward are pretty slim. Hmm. So why does the person pony up another 100000 Because they go, wow, I've already got 100000 invested. And I've lost that if I don't put more in. See, that's the fallacy of sunk costs. Your hundred thousand's gone, regardless, right? Right. So the rational thinking decision. Now, if you now if you just say, you know, I'm passionate about the guy's ability to make money long term. God bless you. But from a financial standpoint, you don't keep throwing good money after bad when the bad money's already been lost. You know, so that's the uh, that's the, the fallacy of sunk costs. And a lot of business people will do that. They won't cut their losses uh, because they they've already lost so much. They think the anecdote mm. is to risk more capital. And regrettably, they usually end up losing even more. And so that's the thinking quadrant. And, and then you go to the, the, the craziest quadrant where people spend, in my experience, the, the least time is the inner world where you are reacting to. Uh, and I call that, uh, you know, the reflection quadrant. You know, you think about things, but you receive epiphanies. You know, have you ever had an insight, you're in the shower and boom, 
an idea comes to you or you really get serious about stopping what you're doing and just kind of reflecting on your life and you, you can get some amazing insights, but it's slow and it's awkward for people and it doesn't feel productive. You know, the performing quadrant feels like, wow, I'm doing something right. Right, I'll, right. Reflecting seems like a, a waste of time. It seems like navel gazing. And here's the point. It is navel gazing if you don't operate in all four of the quadrants. And that's really the big message of the book. Always be improving your thinking, your reflecting, your learning, and your performing. And by moving between those quadrants, each of those quadrants complements the other. And that's what gives you kind of what I would call a full scope of potential is when you realize that life isn't just about your performance. It's about how well you think, reflect, and learn as well as how well you perform. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you bring that up as well in terms of all of them sort of leaning on each other, complimenting each other, because that was going to be a follow-up question. It was like, is there a special way for us to follow this, you know, this, this, these four different quadrants here? But it seems to me as you're explaining them that they all kind of morph and, and merge with each other over a period of time, and then you kind of hit the reboot button and get going all over again almost, right? Well, there's a lot of ways that you can use it, but the, the one way that I think is easiest to talk about in a podcast is if you think about the infinity symbol. Now, the infinity symbol looks like a figure eight laid on its side. Yeah. But if you, it, it, one of the most useful patterns in the uh, potential matrix is to start in the uh, upper left-hand quadrant of thinking, where okay. you kind of analyze what it is you want to do, what, what uh, it will take to be successful, and what you need to learn. And then you go from thinking into learning, where you develop the insights or the skills, uh, get the information that you need. And then you move up into performing, where you then apply what you have learned. Then after you've performed, you move down into the lower left, which is the reflecting quadrant, mm -hmm. where you will get some insights into what you might have done better or the big messages that uh, you, you, you gained, and then you go back and, and you start again in the thinking. Now, obviously, if you use curved lines, if you don't use a curved line, it looks more like a bow tie if you just use straight linear lines. But if you used a curved line, that, that's a process. It's not the only way to use the four quadrants, but that's a very common and, and powerful way. Think, learn, perform, reflect. Again, most people go from thinking to performing, they may skip learning or they perform and they skip reflecting. And, and as you, uh, you and I know, if you don't understand why something happened, you haven't learned it well enough to apply it again. Yeah. So reflecting becomes an important way to kind of embed those deeper lessons. So, so let me ask you this. And so for the people that are tuning in to this show, you know, they're personal brand entrepreneurs, they're people that have been, you know, in their respective industries for a certain period of time. They've broken away. They've, you know, hit the speaker circuit. They've got their first couple of books. Maybe they've got, they've, they're about to publish their first ever book. Uh, they're developing maybe online courses, online communities, um, maybe even holding the odd workshop, that sort of type of thing. I mean, how can we take the principles of this from the potential principle and really kind of fuse that with that type of business model? If I mean, it's kind of your business model to a certain degree as a, as a speaker and author to a certain degree. Wouldn't you agree? 
Oh, very much, very much. Yeah, yeah. everything that I write about comes out of my experience with my own business or my clients. Okay. Well, I think you know you pose a good question. I wanted to write a book that was very practical, and so in the book. Uh, there's two sections really. One is where I discuss the potential matrix, what we just spoke about. And the other is where I talk about four, four techniques or four strategies. I talk about where you can get better, those four areas. Then I talk about how you can get better. Mm. And, and I'll, I'll just mention one or two. And the big one here. Oh, yeah, don't, is, don't give them all away, Mark, because yeah, well, <laughs> we want them to pick up the book. <laughs> people, go, people go, well, I. Don't need to read the book now. Right, right. Pretty much the, the highlights. Well, the, the big idea is disrupt yourself before somebody or something else does. Mm. Uh, we all run the risk of becoming complacent. You know, we, we do something and it works. And because it works, we keep doing it. But as Seth Godin once pointed out years ago, and I thought it was a brilliant insight, when that thing that we used to do stops working as well, what do we do? Well, we do more of it, right? You know, it's kind of like your, your, your gears are starting to grind, so you put more effort into it right. instead of greasing the gears or changing the, changing the gears. So when I ask business people and entrepreneurs is, you know, what, what needs to be disrupted? It could be a process. Uh, it, it could be a thinking pattern. One of the thinking patterns that I grapple with a lot is, is you know, in this age of infopreneurism, uh, regrettably, Quantity often trumps quality. You know, you hear people say anybody can write a book, just get your ideas down on paper and put it out there. And then they find out years later when they're standing in the used bookstore that uh, their book really wasn't very good and that the bad ideas they wrote in their book are, are, are embedded forever by, on, on ink and paper, right? Right. I mean, books. Uh, unlike digital products, you know, they last a oh, long yeah. time. Oh, yeah. And so I always tell people, you're, you're not always going to write your best book uh, when you write your first book, but make sure your first book is still a very good book. Right. Uh, make sure that you spend as much time on the quality of your ideas, your content, your speeches, your illustrations, as you do the quantity of them. And I've noticed there's a real trend towards this, you know, let's just hit the marketplace with lots and lots and lots of stuff. And regrettably, a lot of that stuff isn't necessarily helpful or high quality. And then we become marginalized as, you know, low content, fluffy speakers or fluffy authors or fluffy business people. And it just sucks. I mean, there's no other word to describe it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, technical phrase. Yes, yeah, there we go. <laughs> we like to keep it real here on you for November. I mean, no, but it does. It, it totally sucks because, I mean, I, you know, I believe, I, I don't know about you, but I have been to many, many conferences and events in my life where, you know, both before I began, you know, be began my speaking career and since, obviously, it's been up and running. And I don't do it full time like you do. I, I speak as, an, as another tentacle to the octopus, so to speak, that is the business, right? But, you know, I like to think that I'm a half-decent speaker. I can command the stage well. And I can tell some good stories and I get my points across and I get people to take some action after. Thank you for playing. But I've been at events before where I've been sat in the audience and the person in front of me clearly is just, 
scratching at you know anything they can get a laugh at or you know they don't know their content properly they haven't prepared or rehearsed properly or whatever the case may be and you're right i mean you know that that for me also doesn't disappear it might become a distant memory but you know when i see a bad speaker uh i don't forget them <laughs> you know it's not it's like when you pick up a bad book and and you might you know potentially buy and read it you don't you don't forget those books like you say they stay around for a while and the irony is is that bad speaker may get better but in your mind they're still a bad speaker yes. because you know you heard them well it, whenever i work uh with sales professionals or other speakers and and i i used to directly ask this question of my clients and now i get it more more roundabout but I always say you've got to understand what it is you want the audience to think, feel, and do to, to give a good speech. Uh, feeling is often where we go gratuitously. You know, we say if we can just, you know, if we can just tug on the heartstrings and pull on the emotions. Mm-hmm. But that's only a third of the equation because, you know, feeling is powerful when it comes to impact. But without thinking, you know, feeling can just become fanaticism, right? I mm. mean seen people that you know have strong feelings but but no no rational thought process behind them so then you want to say well what do you want the audience to think about what i say and then you want to conclude with the idea of, all right you just had 30 minutes or 45 or an hour now what do you want them to do pastor of my church young guy uh of course you know my age everybody's the young guy um, he does a great job i think of every sunday saying here's the big takeaway he talks for 30 or 40 minutes and here's the test of a good sermon or a good speech, and that is if you hear it on Sunday, do you remember on Wednesday what it was you were supposed to do? Mm. Not what he talked about. What somebody talks about is not actionable. It's what can I do with the information? So if I give a good speech to a client on, on Wednesday, I would hope that Friday morning if somebody comes into the office of an audience member and says, what did the guy say? They don't just talk about what I talked about. They said, you know, as a result, I, I really had to look at what I what I need to disrupt. There, there's some things I've been doing that need to be disrupted. There's some relationships I have here. I've got an employee. I've let be, become complacent, and I haven't challenged him or her. So that's the, the what do you want them to do? Think, feel, and do. If you can if you can design those three things into any presentation, especially a sales presentation, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be very very effective. So. For those of us, for those of us who are building businesses that are based around our brands, and maybe we, like you said, we don't want to get into the you know the quantity side of things here. We 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 do want to sort of try and stay as close to creating great quality stuff. You know, not just thinking about making a few extra bucks here and there and everything. What sort of closing comments do you have here for people that are in that very unique position actually, where they they've got a voice that people are actually hearing, but not only are they hearing it, but they're listening to it as well. How do we not abuse that? And how can we sort of continue to maximize our own potential when it comes to the growth of that type of business with those people in mind? I would suggest two things. One is to be intellectually honest, to take the high road and not the low road. Love that. Don't quote research that you aren't familiar with or yes. that you read as a factoid or that you don't understand. And it, and it happens all the time. You know, famously, a, a lot of what has been passed around in professional speaking circles is based on research that never existed. It, mm-hmm. it was almost urban legend, but it sounded so doggone good that we just couldn't help but repeat it. 
The second thing is to remember that nobody remembers sameness. As we just talked about, Chris, we remember really bad or we remember really good. Mm. And the key to being a, a content provider is the same key to having a product or service is to do something different that people value, that they, re you know, not just pe people do weird. If it's different, they don't value it. It's called weird. You know, you say, man, I saw this weird guy uh, trying to sell his, you know, his, his book. It's got to be different and valued. And if you can find that intersection between what you do that is different, that the audience or the buyer or the prospect or the employee really values, then you'll have a, a, a powerful way to go to the market. I love it. Well, thank you, man. It was such a, a great honor to have you on the show. Um, I'd love to be able to get you back on again to talk more in depth on this subject as well. I think that, you know, this is something that I, a lot of people that I have come into contact with both as, as mutual friends with you and I and, and, and a lot of people that I've come into touch with in regards to coaching and, and things like that, they struggle with this. Um, and I think that it's not going to be going away anytime soon, regardless of how many people pick up your book. It's going to be something that, that stays around for a while. You know what I mean? We've got our work cut out for us. Well, the pleasure's been all mine, and I'm always glad to come back and chat again. So thank you, Chris, and thanks to all your listeners today. All righty. Uh, you guys can check out a little bit more of Mark and what he's all about. MarkSanborn.com. We'll put a link to that along, obviously, with a link to the potential principal over on Amazon and a whole lot of other stuff that we've mentioned. And I will make sure that I link to that funny little video as well because I know you're going to love it. We'll be back at you. Oh, so I should say the show notes are at chrisducker.com forward slash episode 243. You know the drill. Go and visit. We'll be back at you again next week. Bye for now. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com forward slash mastermind today. I'll see you on the inside.